This is the Foot in the Box podcast for the week of Monday, July 11th. And now, please rise for the singing of our Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the A Foot in the Box podcast. My name is Peter Elliott. And I am Peter's brother, Paul Elliott. Yes, we are twin brothers coming to you from Champaign, Illinois. Uh, and this is a weekly baseball podcast. Uh, Paul, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right. Um, it's been an, uh, an eventful week um, in the nation and uh, my wife and I were out of town all weekend. So it just kind of feels like a, a chaotic week. Yeah, and I guess before we get into the podcast, uh, you talked about how the last week was kind of rough nationally. Uh, I guess I just wanted to say that um, the news of the two black guys that were shot and then the police shootings, uh, all that made me pretty sad. So this isn't a a podcast where we talk about that stuff, but I just wanted to kind of say that before we started that... um, I kind of watched like the rest of the country, and it was hard to think about really anything else for a few days, and um, I don't know what it's like to be a black guy or to be a cop, so I don't really have much to add um, in terms of perspective, but you know, I want to be a part of the solution uh, to help and make sure that stuff doesn't happen, um, but yeah, I, just, I guess I wanted to say that before we began. Well said, yeah, and I, I agree. Life is a precious thing. Um, and even when there's disagreement and um, contentiousness between uh, groups of people, just when you start taking lives, that's that's just sad. And yeah, we definitely grieve with those impacted. Yeah, and I guess uh, just to give their names, um, Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge was killed this past week by police officers, and then Philando Castile was killed um, near Minneapolis. And then uh, five police officers were shot in Dallas. So, yeah, definitely uh, a sad week, and it's kind of weird to plan for a podcast uh, mm-hmm. thinking about all that stuff. Um, but sports, and baseball in particular, is a really good escape from um, you know tragedies like that. Uh, so I guess we'll, we'll do our best to talk about it uh, this week. But it is a little weird to talk about the All-Star Game and home run derbies when stuff like that is happening. Yeah, and the, and the one kind of crossover I saw that you posted from our, our Twitter account, our Foot in the Box Twitter account, was uh, an Instagram from, I think it was Joey Gallo, yeah, first baseman for the Rangers. Um, him and another Rangers player had met one of the police officers that was shot and killed uh, a couple months ago, and so the Instagram was of um, the cop with these two Rangers players, so um, yeah, even hits close to home to, to baseball players. All right, well, moving on to baseball. Uh, back from my road trip, Paul, did you listen to the uh, Of, cor- of course I listened to it. podcast? If I didn't listen to it, I think we might need to close the doors on the podcast. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was it was a blast. It was kind of a focus group of sorts for our podcast. It was. Probably our most, three out of our top five most avid listeners, I would say. Uh, with uh, Matt, Shulky, Josh and Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, it was good stuff. Did you enjoy it? I did. Yeah, it was a fun trip. Um, traveling really tires me, uh, wears me out. So I was pretty tired and exhausted by the end of the uh, road trip. And a baseball game probably wasn't a great idea to plan at the end of it, just because we were both pretty tired. Uh, but, yes, I did enjoy it and uh, enjoyed talking with uh, those three guys on the podcast. Maybe if our podcast blows up enough in the future, we can... Put it on the tab for you to fly to your friend case and destinations. <laughs> Maybe. Thanks to Nelly for our intro song. Uh, our Nelly fun fact this week is that he has two children, a daughter named Chanel and a son named Cornell. So there's your fun fact. What'd you, what's Nelly's last name? Uh, it's Cornell Iral Haynes Jr. or something like that. So Cornell Jr. would be his son's name. Uh, the second F. Nelly is junior. Oh, Nelly is yeah. Oh well. Uh, so baseball this week. Our Matt Bush update. 
after three uh, rough outings to end the month of June. Uh, he has had uh, five scoreless innings in a row to start July. So his numbers at the break, uh, if he didn't pitch on Sunday, I'm not sure if he did, uh, 25 and one-thirds innings pitched with a 2.49 ERA and a 1.06 whip for the Rangers. So a pretty good first half for uh, Matt Bush. Yeah, and I did some research for my column this week on bullpens, and the thing that I didn't realize is that the bull, the Rangers' bullpen, even with a really good first half from Bush, is the worst in baseball. Or second worst in baseball, worse than the American League. Yep. Um, Are the Reds the worst? Yes, by far. Uh, so, yeah, I think the Rangers, even with a, a good Matt Bush, need to add like one or two more relievers. Mm-hmm. Uh, other big thing for me was the Cubs' recent slide. Uh, we were recording this just after their win on Sunday. Uh, so that was actually a pretty big win going into the All-Star break. But they started the season 27-8. and eight, And since then, with today's win, are 26-27 and 27 since then. Um, in July, their starters have a 9.20 ERA and no quality starts. And recording this on July 10th, so uh, 10 straight non-quality starts uh, from their starters isn't very good um, and just not playing very well at all. The only guy that concerns me as a non-Cubs fan would be Arietta. Mm-hmm. He seems to have had uh, not just a couple bad starts, but he seems to not be himself for the past month or so. And that would concern me. But um, I think All-Star Breaks coming at the perfect time for them, and I think they'll still win the Central and still be uh, one of the two best teams in the National League. I think the Pirates are like 7.5 out now. Mm-hmm. Would have been 5.5 if they, they beat the Cubs on Sunday. Uh, what's the closest that margin gets the, the entire season? It's a good question. I think it depends more on the Pirates and whether they make – a second half run. Uh, I'll go. It gets within two games. Wow. What do you think? So you think it gets worse before it gets better? I just think that the Pirates will probably be like twelve to fifteen games over five hundred hmm. by the end of the year. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't think it gets that close. Hopefully, it doesn't get that close. Um, I say it gets down to like four or five. Hmm. Uh, a quote from Theo Epstein I thought was good. Um, on kind of the recent struggles, uh, and this is good for all uh, fans of baseball teams, he said, uh, of course it's fair to be concerned because baseball is really hard. It's hard to play at a consistently excellent level for 162 games. There should always be an element of concern. That's why I said what I said when we were 25 and 6, because that stuff doesn't last forever. But it's fair to be concerned. It's also fair, if not more so, to be excited about what this team is and what they're capable of. For the foundation of this year, as well as the future, and what the nature of this team is. It's not perfect, but it's really, really good. We trust them. Uh, so yeah, that's Theo. Uh, and I think one thing I, I, I like about baseball is that it mirrors life so much. Uh, kind of um, hearkening back to what Will Leach was talking about on the podcast a few weeks ago. But um, the season is so long that there's inevitably these... Um, you know, long stretches where you're convinced you can never win a game, just like you're convinced that, uh, you know, you can never lose a game when you're going through a hot streak. Um, so just like life, there's just these long stretches, and you kind of just have to push through uh, the difficult ones and enjoy the uh, the good ones. But there's always kind of an element of concern, um, even when you're doing well. Yeah, and the reality with the Cubs, I don't think anyone – prior to them having their awesome start, projected them to win 116 games. No one at the beginning of the year was predicting yeah. that. Uh, so, you know, they're probably going to win anywhere from 93 to 100 games, and that fits in line with what a, what a lot of people were projecting before the season. Uh, I heard on the radio broadcast today that after the All-Star break, 24 of the next 32 games are at home. Uh, so that should be helpful for the Cubs as well. Yep. Are you going to any of those? Uh, I'm going to a game, Cubs cards on a Friday in August. I don't know if it fits. Probably, yeah, it fits right at the end of that. Uh, Do you have anything around baseball? Uh, Certainly. (laughs) Matt Harvey? Yeah. Well, a lot of injuries. Yeah. Especially from this weekend. Matt Harvey, in case you haven't heard, is done for the year. 
he's having uh, surgery to repair his shoulder. Um, the actual surgery, I guess, is removing a rib. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to relieve some nerve pressure. Um, but I don't really know what to call it. It's not shoulder surgery. Rib surgery, I guess. But, uh, yeah, they're the I read where Sandy Alderson, their GM, said it had nothing to do with uh, him pitching so many innings last year coming yeah. off Tommy John. But then, of course, Harvey's agent, Scott Boris, says sort of like no comment, you know. Mm-hmm. Read between the lines, I think. Yeah. He threw uh, the most innings of any pitcher ever following Tommy John surgery. Yeah. I feel like that. We th- we've talked about that a bunch, but no one really else. People kind of – like talk about oh like he's coming off Tommy John but no one really talks about the specifics of it was the most innings ever for a guy coming off Tommy John yeah I don't know no I'm not a doctor obviously so I don't know if that would make sense where you have elbow surgery and so then you overcompensate somehow and it affects your shoulder but uh, so he's out for the year that hurts the Mets uh, Noah Syndergaard another pitcher for them uh, just they're saying arm fatigue mm-hmm. that's another concern and then. Um, Matt Carpenter, uh, Cardinals, second baseman, third baseman, having an MVP caliber season, uh, hurt his oblique, and I read where Matheny said that he was he was very concerned about it. So, yeah, I think he's out like four to six weeks right now, but those things could linger. Uh, Kershaw got hurt about ten days ago now, mm-hmm. uh, which was a big bummer. Um, he pretty much has never gotten hurt before, and so he is out with a back injury. I think he threw a bullpen session today, so hopefully it's not too much longer with him on the DL. And then uh, Craig Kimbrell, Red Sox closer, he's out for, um, they're saying, like a month or so. Um, Uanis Cespedes got hurt this past weekend. He's not going to play in the All-Star game. Um, so, yeah, just a lot of injuries. I'm sure I'm forgetting other guys. Wade Davis. is DL. DL, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep, just a lot of guys getting hurt this weekend. Um, I think there's like the second most ever All-Stars because of injury replacements. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, yeah. One uh, one last thing I had before we get to our email question. Jose Reyes. Uh, it's not mine, but that'll be yours. Uh, July 3rd, which was last Sunday, but we weren't together, recording, um, the Braves and Marlins played a baseball game had a field that was created at Fort Bragg for that game. Mm-hmm. So that's a military base in North Carolina. And I watched an interview that Rob Manfred uh, gave during the game with the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball crew. And uh, the whole event was intriguing to me, just that they built the field at the military base. I don't know what the plans are for the field now, but it was a super cool field and I think a super cool idea, creative idea. And Manfred said that um, the idea really stemmed from uh, this one guy's idea within the uh, you know hierarchy of baseball. Uh, some executive had the idea of let's bring baseball games to areas and people that don't usually get to see baseball games. And so this was kind of the first of those ideas. So the plan is to do more uh, games like this where they're taking baseball mm-hmm. and taking them to areas where people don't usually get to see games. Uh, so I thought that was a really intriguing idea. Some places that I had thought would be cool to host baseball games. Moscow. <laughs> nope. I thought Hawaii and Alaska um, would both be cool. Uh, I'm not sure when the Alaska, where like it's sunny all the time, is that during the summer? Uh, yes. So that would be kind of cool. Like the 20, 22 hours of sunlight. Or does it's it go way more than, It's way more than that. It's like four days of sunlight. Huh. Yeah, that would be fun. Uh, and then Hawaii, just because it's beautiful. Uh, national parks. I don't know if you could incorporate some sort of campaign with those. That would be hard because uh, you wouldn't want to <laughs> you wouldn't want to cut down trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like in the national parks. Um, so those are just a couple ideas I had. Uh, also, I th- I think uh, kind of along the idea of bringing baseball to people that don't usually get to see them. I think every team should have a uh, free day at the park game. So like a, a day game, and it's just free to get in. Because that would, but only for people who have never been to a game before. <laughs> no, I think like you'd have to line up and stuff, but uh, you'd get people into games that don't normally go to games, um, underprivileged people, um, and you could get like kind of school kids involved in the summer and stuff like that. I think that would be a lot of fun. Wonder what one game of revenue is. 
Yeah. But I, I like those people, I think you make up the revenue because I think they would remember that game when they're older, um, if they're young people. And it would just be a good PR thing for baseball, too. Do you have any other ideas on where they could play a game that doesn't want me to get to see one? Uh, Mumbai. Uh, no, I mean, I think Hawaii and Alaska would kind of be the two states that would be coolest. Uh, Mexico City. I've, I think that would be a, like a neat expansion idea. So I think it would be fun to play a game there. Now with like the, all the Zika virus stuff. I think you'd be hard pressed to travel to any like um, South American countries or Central American countries, but um, I think it's a neat idea. Yep. Uh, were you actually going to talk about Jose Reyes, or are you just no? Joking? Well, he's he's back playing for the Mets. That's the update. Yeah, he got like a standing ovation his first at bat, which was weird, mm-hmm. and I didn't agree with. All right. Uh, so our question. Email question of the week comes from David. You can email us at afootinthebox at gmail.com. David, who is uh, in our email question hall of fame, always writes good questions. He says, I was thinking about All-Star Weekend, and I realized, why do we even need a game? Just do a home run derby, then let everyone leave. These guys don't want to travel anymore. They want days off. Uh, Just let them be. Also, no one cares about the actual game, despite Bud Selig's best efforts. As fans, we need days off, too. Imagine a society with a few days off from sports. We could probably do great things in the facade. So what do you think of that, Paul? Yeah, I agree. Uh, the All-Star game has very little appeal to me. But it's not just baseball. It's the same thing applies for the NBA All-Star game uh, and the Pro Bowl back when I watched the NFL. Um I just don't think all-star games are that appealing. The only way that I think maybe the MLB all-star game could become somewhat more relevant is if you actually had, uh, like, the stars playing. So I thought uh, Joe Sheehan, who I recently subscribed to, uh, he made a good point that he did a bunch of research last year. <laughs> Heading into last year's all-star game, guess how many per team uh, players had made it to an all-star game in their career? Uh, six, eight. Wow. So it's become so diluted. And as you mentioned earlier with the amount of injuries this year, you're just getting down to like half of baseball being considered an all-star this year. So I think the only way it becomes more relevant is if you trim the roster size, kind of what we've talked about with the hall of fame, trim it down. And so that you only have like the best of the best playing. So if you tune in, you know that you're not going to be seeing, um, you know, uh, uh, he he listed off all the guys that have made like a Giovanni Soto has made it in the past. A Matt Thornton has made it in the past. Both Chris Youngs have made it in the past. So if you can guarantee me that I won't be watching any of those types of people and that I'll actually be seeing the stars play, then maybe it could become relevant. Mm-hmm. But I mostly agree. Yeah, I think a lot of people hate on the All Star Game, and um, I think it's a little unfair. Like I think it's an enjoyable night of baseball. Like last year, Trout I think homered on the first. Uh, at bat of the game, um, it's like entertaining, like uh, sounds of the game this week. We're going to look at uh, the 1999 All-Star game where Pedro struck out the side in the first inning at Fenway. Um, I still think it has potential. Now, it's baseball, so like not every All-Star game you can guarantee mm-hmm. cool things to happen. But uh, I don't know. Will Leach, is, he's ta- written about how the All-Star game is. He thinks it's still fun, and I agree. So, uh I don't want to end the game. Um, I don't. I don't think it should probably determine home field advantage, but it has brought in kind of. A, it's forced the managers to like manage mm-hmm. like it's a real game again. You're big into uh, TV viewership. Mm-hmm. Do you have the numbers for the past few All Star games? I don't. I don't. Um, we can talk about that in the the live stream tomorrow night. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I think it was, the home run derby was up from the previous year, but the All Star game was down. Hmm. Um, that's a good transition, though. I mentioned the live stream, so if you're listening to this Monday during the day, you should go uh, Monday nights and watch our home run derby live stream. Uh, we'll tweet out the link. It'll be on YouTube. Uh, it's a new thing for us. We'll see how it goes, uh, but just we're like a companion, you know. Uh, we'll be talking. 
uh, about the Home Run Derby, giving our reactions, but also like during breaks, have trivia and do some other podcast stuff. Um, so if you're free and just watching the Derby um, by yourself on Monday night, uh, feel free to watch us. And if you're watching it after, or if you're listening to this after Monday, you can go back and watch our live stream and see uh, kind of see how it went. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're excited to do it, and uh, it should be fun. Yes, we think. Uh, our banter and conversation while watching the home render is so interesting that we want to, as many people as possible to experience that. Yeah. And I, well, for me personally, I just want to make the, the home render be more exciting. So I think it'll add a element. To I that. did see someone tweet that last year's home render we had more viewers than I want to say the last 10 years it was the highest number in the last. Yeah. And the year before that 2014 was the lowest. Okay. Yeah, I should look at the numbers, and again, we can talk about it in the live stream, but I don't think it was that. It was like a modest gain, but I don't right. think it was super high. It went from like 5.4 to 7.1. Okay. Where did you see that? Uh, some fellow on Twitter tweeted it. Okay. I'm always intrigued to follow those guys. This would normally be where we do our MacGyver in three minutes segment, but after the feedback from the last podcast, um, I think it's time to have an honest discussion about the future of this segment. So, Paul... Uh, well, we're having this discussion on, yes, on air. Yes, on air, yep. Um, so the listeners have spoken. Our most loyal listeners have spoken. They do not like our MacGyver in three-minute segment. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I could see where they're coming from, for sure. I think in the when we initially came up with the segment, we had just said, you know, fast forward if you don't want to listen. Um, but anytime you create a segment, and that's like one of the first things you say, is feel free to fast forward yeah. through it. May not be a great idea, but how would you feel about transitioning the that segment to a like baseball themed TV episodes in three minutes? That's, that's a good idea. I just like, do we have enough volume of episodes? I think so. So if I like just Google like Friends baseball, you know, TV show Friends, and then baseball, I'm sure they like went to a baseball game or watched a baseball game, and Maybe. it's and it's on Netflix. So yeah, the the net being on Netflix is the kicker. Boy Meets World, I feel like there was always... Remember, he like... Yeah, I, th- I think it's got potential. So, uh... Yeah, I think there's something there. So we'll tinker with that, and it'll probably be on next week's episode. So uh, look forward to that. All right, well, that does it for our opening uh, segment. Um, this week's podcast uh, is our mid-season review, so we're going to talk about uh, kind of our predictions and how they're lining up with reality so far this year, give our all-star starters... If we were the managers just picking the teams and the fans didn't have a vote, give our first half Cy Young, MVP, Rookie of the Year, all that stuff. And then um, Paul's got TWTW and I have Sons of the Game. Uh, and then we'll close it out with our normal segments at the end. But first up is our midseason review. Paul, first I thought we could go over our predictions in terms of the standings and then kind of see how they're lining up with reality historically i've been much better at this than you have would you agree with that uh if you, by historically you mean last year well and then so far this year i would say that the national league has historically been a much easier <laughs> league to predict all right so you can start with your your al picks yes yeah, so in the american league i had the mariners who i always pick to win the american league west uh and then um in the American League Central, I had the Indians winning the division and the Royals as the wild card. And in the East, I had the Red Sox winning the division and the Blue Jays uh, as the wild card. Uh, two out of those five are correct, uh, or at least are playoff teams. Yep. So Indians winning the Central and then the um, the Blue Jays as the wild card. Um, so the, the Red Sox. Yeah, and sorry, and the Red Sox. So I guess three out of the five. Uh, the Mariners are third in the West and doesn't look like they're going to win the division. Um, and then the Royals look to be on the outside looking in. So if you had to predict how the standings would end, uh, you'd stick with the Rangers in the West. I'd probably go Astros in the West. Really? Rangers wild card. They're quite a few games back. Uh, I think they'll make it up. Okay. Um, Indians in the Central and then... Uh, Red Sox and Blue Jays. I think the Orioles will fall off in the second half. So you think the Rangers will be the wild card? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so right now, as Paul said, 
Rangers, Indians, Orioles are your division leaders, and the Red Sox and Jays would be your wild card teams. The Astros, Tigers, White Sox, Royals, Mariners, and Yankees all have a, a legitimate shot to to make the playoffs still. Uh, moving over to the National League, my predictions were the Dodgers in the West, Cubs in the Central, Nationals in the East, and then the Giants and Pirates as my wild card teams. Um, right now, the Giants are winning the West, and then the Cubs and Nationals are your other division leaders. And then the Dodgers and Mets would be the wild card teams. Um, and then the Marlins, Pirates, and Cardinals all have a chance. They're within a few games of, of the Mets. Where would you pick them finishing? Yeah, so I think I'd stick with the Cubs and Nationals. Um, the West is tough, I feel like, between the Dodgers and Giants. One of them will win the division. One of them will win the wild card. I'll probably stick with the Giants as my division uh Division winner, um, so I think the Dodgers will make the playoffs as a wild card still, and then I think the Pirates will win the wild card. They're playing a lot better. Um, so no Mets. No, and before the year, my big prediction was that the Marlins would finish higher than the Mets, and so I think the Mets will continue to fade. Our World Series prediction was the Cubs over the Red Sox. Um, I'll keep the my Cubs National League prediction. What's your uh, American League? Who's going to make it to the World um, Series? Red Sox isn't a bad pick. I'd go Indians if I had to pick at this point. Cubs-Indians? Mm-hmm. That'd be a fun World Series. Yeah. What do, like, what do you think the ideal matchup is for Major League Baseball in terms of ratings? Cubs-Red Sox. Do you think before the season that would be like the ideal? Yeah. If, Man- if uh, Manfred could pick? Yeah, for sure. Moving on to our All-Star starters. I'll start with the National League. The best catcher in the National League so far this year, I think, is Buster Posey. First base, Anthony Rizzo, uh, who has really turned it on here this past weekend to kind of solidify that spot. Um, uh, second base, Daniel Murphy edges out Ben Zobrist. Uh, Murphy is hitting 349 with 17 home runs. Uh, pretty incredible season for a second baseman. Uh, shortstop is the rookie, Corey Seager. Third base, Chris Bryant, again, has been very good recently and. Um, the third base was kind of muddled a couple weeks ago, but I think he's really distanced himself uh, with his uh, recent streak at the plate. Uh, my outfielders, left field, is Steven Piscotti. Uh, the numbers say he has been very good, so I will stick him in left. In center field, Dexter Fowler. Uh, the Actually, the outfielders in the National League have been pretty subpar. Uh, Bryce Harper is only a, a two-point uh, zero war player. It's only a two war player. And, um, he is like one of the top outfielders still. So he's actually my right fielder, but overall pretty disappointing season for the National League outfielders. And my starting pitcher is Clayton Kershaw. Who Harper was your other? Yep. Piscotti, Fowler, and Harper. Yeah. McCutcheon's had a really down year. Mm-hmm. Real quick. Um, have a, a game to throw at you. Okay. Uh, bye. Sell or hold if you're the GM of the following teams uh, at the trade deadline. Uh, Pirates. Buy. Mariners. Sell. White Sox. Hold. And the Marlins. Hold. Hmm. Interesting. Pirates probably before this weekend, you might say. I I didn't really buy into all that. I saw several... You know, should we trade Andrew or should the Pirates trade Andrew McCutcheon? Articles no. written. Nope, I would not trade him. Would you? Uh, if you're the White Sox, what would you do? Uh, I would probably hold Pat. Okay. I, I mean, they really can't do much. One like Jay Bruce type hitter, I think, would be a good addition. Yeah, they just have kind of either called up or traded their prospects. So I don't know that they have a whole lot left to offer. Uh, who are your all-star starters? Um, go Salvador Perez at catcher, Edwin Encarnacion at first, Jose Altuve at second, who's having an incredible year. I don't know if you've checked his numbers, but mm-hmm. he's like MVP caliber. Uh, Lindor at short, Donaldson at third, who's also having a fantastic year. Uh, Ian Desmond in left, uh, Trout in center, and Mookie Betts in right. And then, mm-hmm. um, David Ortiz, uh, DHing. It's a pretty solid team. Mm-hmm. And then I would have said Danny Salazar pitching, but um, he's sitting out the All-Star game with uh, arm fatigue. So well, so is Kershaw. Oh, okay. I'd go uh, Chris Sale if Salazar wasn't 
available. He got lit up by the Braves. He did. That was unfortunate. Um, but yeah, no, the the um, fans actually got the American League pretty close. Yeah, I would say overall the fans did a pretty good job. Russell, Russell would probably yeah, be the and now shortstop is probably the biggest one. But it's not like Russell's like a terrible player. No, it's just Corey Seager is having an unbelievable year. All right, uh, our first half Cy Young MVP Rookie of the Year. Um, before the season, I said Kershaw would be my Cy Young. Sticking with him, um, he's been just dominant. 121 innings pitched, 1.79 ERA, 0.73 WHIP. Um, 145 wow. strikeouts in those 121 innings and only 10 walks. Uh, just an insane strikeout-to-walk ratio. And Baseball Reference says he has a 5.1 war, which is tops amongst pitchers by quite a bit. Um, in the running, uh, Strasburg and Scherzer from the Nationals, and then Johnny Cueto and Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, so as I just mentioned, I think uh, Salazar, Danny Salazar, pitcher for the Indians, um, slightly edges out Chris Sale, and you know Sale would probably or has the best chance to win it, um, just because he has 14 wins and uh, he's been in the running the last few years. So I think writers are probably more apt to vote for him. But if you look at the numbers, um, Salazar has been much better, and Sale actually, you could argue this has been like his third or fourth best season. Um, Was he your preseason prediction? He was, yeah. Um, but uh, Sales ERA is up in the near 3.5, while Salazar is in the low twos, um, and uh, both of them strike out a ton of hitters. So if you're you looking, said Sales ERA is 3.5? Getting up, I think okay. it's 3.3. Three, three. So he's not even, is he in the top five? For ERA? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. But that one game against the Braves dropped him sure. pretty considerably. Did you know, do you realize how good of a year J.A. Happ is having? Uh, yeah, his ERA is lower than sales. Yeah, he's top 10 in the AL in ERA, and he, I think he has 12 wins. Did you see our hometown paper did a Q&A with J- Hap? I did not. That's pretty interesting. So I go Salazar for Cy Young, um, but would not be surprised if Sale wins it. Even with that high of ERA? I mean, if he wins 25 games, then I yes. just feel like his ERA's got to drop way, way lower. When's the last time a guy with an above three ERA won the Cy Young? Great question. Steroid era. All right, MVP, I said Andrew McCutcheon before the season. That was a very bad prediction. Um, He's been uh, kind of like an average player so far this year. Uh, My MVP selection, this was kind of hard. Uh, I think Kershaw uh, is right up there, but because he got hurt, I'm going to go with Chris Bryant. Uh, So 25 home runs in the first half. Has a slash line of 280, 379, and 575, and he's played five games at four different positions. Wow. Third base, first base, left field, right field, um, and has done all those, I would say, just from the eye test, at least average level, if not above average, especially in the outfield. Um, so, kind of the other guys in line, I said Kershaw, uh, Nolan Arenado has been very good, Matt Carpenter uh, before he got hurt, and then Anthony Rizzo. Uh, but this this race should be uh, fun to watch, especially if Kershaw uh, doesn't come back for a while. You don't put Corey Seager in there at all? Uh, maybe. If I mean, if he keeps hitting like he has. But, yeah, I think right now Bryant has been the better player. Uh, in the American League, I'm going to go with Mike Trout, who was my preseason pick. Pretty easy prediction there. Um, looking at the numbers, he's neck and neck with Donaldson. Uh, Donaldson won it last year. Um Fangraphs has Trout at 5.4 war and Donaldson at 5.2. And then the next closest guy is Altuve at 4.3. So Trout and Donaldson are kind of in a class by themselves. Um, Trout is, you know, first in baseball and on base percentage, third in OPS. Um, he's not a great defender, has kind of a weak arm. So Donaldson edges him out there. Really? But, um, Trout has a weak arm? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Uh but uh, Trout's a better base runner than Donaldson, and he plays or plays on a team that is far worse offensively. So just less opportunity for RBIs and probably less pitches to hit than um, the Donaldson who plays on a top five offense. So uh, I'm partial to Trout there. Okay. Also probably partial because I picked him before <laughs> the season started. But. Yep, uh, my rookie of the year in the National League was Corey Seager. That's my prediction, uh, and he has definitely been the rookie of the year so far. He has 17 home runs 
and a slash line of 298, 358, and 524. Um, his slugging percentage of 524 is well above what uh, the last three position players to win Rookie of the Year, what their numbers were. Bryant's had a slugging percentage of 488. Bryce Harper had a 477, and Buster Posey had a 505. So Seager, uh, especially playing shortstop with the 524 slugging, uh, just very good. And um, baseball reference says he's been a 3.2 war player so far this year. Hmm. Anyone else close? Uh, uh, Hazel Baker? <laughs> two other shortstops, actually. Trevor Story and uh, Diaz from the Cardinals, um, I think, are, are right up there. So if Seager slumps at all, I think those two guys could win it. Uh, in the American League, I like uh, Michael Fulmer, pitcher for the Tigers, who the Mets actually gave up last year for Cespedes. Okay. Can you imagine like just their ability <laughs> to pump out arms is insane. Does he throw pretty hard? Uh, yeah, I think like 90, high 90s. Okay. Um, but the first four starts he had this year were terrible. He gave up 14 runs and uh, four starts. But since then, he's been best pitcher in baseball. He had a scoreless inning streak of close to 30. Um, and uh, the the difference, according to people who have looked into it, is that he started to throw a changeup. So okay. he's been a lot better against... Uh, lefties and righties. Who is your uh, preseason uh, prediction? Uh, it'd be Byung Ho Park. How's he done? Who interestingly has been the third best uh, Korean uh, rookie of this year. So behind who? Uh, I think the um, Day Ho Lee is, plays third base or first base for the Mariners, and then the Orioles uh, also have a Korean <laughs> corner infielder. I'm uh, maybe mispronouncing it, but Hyun Soon Kim is how it's spelled. I tried. I, I tried to get you to pick someone else. But. Up until like m- middle of May, he was kind of like um, Todd Frazier. He's hitting a ton of homers for a rookie, bad average, but about what you expect. And then he they, just didn't they send it back to the minors? They did, yeah. <laughs> um, but they think uh, it could be a risk thing. So bad, bad selection in retrospect. Honorable mention there. Uh, Tyler uh, Naquin, outfielder for the Indians, has been insanely good Okay, uh, as well. Okay. Also, no more Mazzara for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. I think overall, uh, this year's crop of rookies is not near as good as last year. Oh, but, I mean, last year we talked like last year about how historic. Good. Yeah. Like the best players in baseball were all rookies last Seager, year. Seager fits in that class. Sure. Yep. He's big, quickly becoming one of my favorite players in baseball. I love watching him play. All right, my most surprising team so far in a positive way is the Giants. Uh, they're over 20 games, uh, over 500, and it's really been a collective team effort. They don't have um, you know, any individual players that really stand out for like MVP or Cy Young. Uh, Posey's been really good. Brandon Belt has been good. Crawford's been good. Um, Cueto has been good. Baumgartner has been good. Um, good bullpen, so... Uh, just a really good team effort from the Giants, and they keep uh, keep pumping out uh, really solid teams. So they're my most uh, surprisingly positive team, my most disappointing team. I went with the Dodgers. They played a lot better in recent weeks. Um, they're uh, 10 or 11 games over 500, depending on uh, how today's game went. Um, headed into the All-Star break, so still a decent season, um, but... A lot more was expected out of them. Uh, their offense, especially, has been subpar, and they've had a lot of injuries too. Um, but that's part of, you know, planning a team. They are their offense is tenth out of fifteen teams in on base percentage and fourteenth out of fifteen in slugging percentage. Also of note for the most disappointing team, the Diamondbacks. We expected them to be pretty bad uh, when Pollock went down with the injury before the season, but they are fifteen and thirty-two at home this mm. year. So just uh, a very disappointing season from the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I would agree with both those. Um, my most surprising team uh, is the Orioles. And so I know the Cubs have kind of been the biggest storyline in baseball so far this year nationally. But I feel like the Orioles should be a close second. And I don't really think they have been. Let me read you some of their starting pitchers' ERAs. And this is uh, one of the best teams in the American League record-wise. Uh, in 17 starts, Baldo Jimenez has an ERA over 7. In 13 starts, Tyler Wilson has an ERA over 5.6. And 
And in 12 starts, Mike Wright has an ERA over six. So uh, one of the worst starting rotations in all of baseball, and yet um, they're leading the American League East. Um, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, their offense has been insanely good. They had a ton of homers. They had a historic month of June, more home runs in the month of June than any team mm-hmm. uh, ever in a month. Um, and they, I looked um, researching for today. Five guys on their team have a legit shot at 30 homers. Can you name them? I said five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Machado. He's at 19 right now. Um, Chris Young. Or Chris Davis. Yep. He is at 21. Adam Jones. 17, yep. Um, Trembo, Mark Trembo. He's at 27. So that's four. Mm-hmm. Second baseman. Uh Oh, um, Jonathan Scope. Scoop. Yeah. Uh, he's at 14. So, I mean, everyone but um, Shoop or Scope <laughs> or Scoop. Scoop. Uh, probably will get 30. Um, he's got an outside chance. So just they had a ton of homers. Their pitching is pretty subpar. Um, so we'll see what happens in the second half. Vegas had them at 79 and a half wins to start the year. Um, we both took the under and Pakota took the under, um, but they're on pace to have over 90 wins. So I was texting, uh, podcast listener, Josh, who's an avid Orioles fan yesterday. He was asking them, asking him how they were doing it. And he said, no statistical model over the last five years has been able to kind of predict or project the success they've had. They've been one of the winningest teams in all of baseball. Yeah, Joe Walter's a pretty good manager. Yeah. Um, most disappointing team? Uh, I'd go the Royals, and it's not necessarily, um, you know, all to blame just on their performance. They've had a ton of injuries. Kane, Moustakas, Gordon, Wade Davis, they've all missed time. Moustakas is out for the year. Um, but as the defending champs um, heading into the all-star break as third in their division, that's obviously a disappointment. And their run differential is negative um, 25, which is one of the five worst in the American League. So I'd go Royals, um, but um, but you could also probably say uh, White Sox or Mariners as well. Hmm. I wouldn't say you, the White Sox. You couldn't say that. White Sox would be because of their start. They were 23 oh, and okay. 10 and then... But if you told if you were given the option of taking this at the All Star break, you would, right, yeah. you would have taken it. This is about what I expected. Yep. All right, a few things um, that we predicted before the season, kind of um, non-team or player related. Uh, scoring was up last year um, to uh, four point two five runs per game. Up again uh, per team, yeah. And so you had predicted that it would go down a little bit. To 4.2. Is that what I said? And I said up a little bit to 4.4. Right now, run scoring is up to 4.51, which is the highest since 2009. So pretty big jump. And then uh, that's a result of home runs. So home runs are up significantly. And I wrote a a blog post on our website. You can check that out if you want to. uh, That delves deeper into this. But um, home runs are up even since I wrote that. So they're up to 1.16 per game. Uh, per team per, per game and this is the highest since 2000 when it was 1.17 so it's just a little bit um, back from that and 2000 is the highest ever so right now 2016 the home run uh, rate per game is the second highest in all uh, all time in baseball um, but strikeouts are also way up it continues to trend so the last nine years uh, have just increased um, and they've all been records so starting mm-hmm. nine years ago that was the first year um, that it, it broke the record for strikeouts. The year after that broke the previous year's record and then so on. So eight is the highest ever, eight strikeouts per game per team. Um, so hitters are kind of taking the approach of swinging hard, and if you make contact, great, but if you don't, you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also relief pitchers are more specialized. and Sure. Yeah, but just guys are throwing harder, and uh, there's a lot of home runs, but also a lot of strikeouts. Uh, pace of play last year, the time of the games, it was down to three hours exactly. Um, and that was down quite a bit from the year before. Uh, you, Paul, you projected three hours and one minute per game, and I uh, projected 2.57. Um, right now, I'm not sure. The website 
uh, page on baseball reference that I went to last year has not updated 2016. Mm. And I Googled it, and in May, Manfred was upset because it had ticked back up to over three hours. Um, so I guess, Paul, you're, you're closer Anecdotally, here. it seems like games are taking way longer, so I think I'm right. <laughs> Would you say, so it feels like games are longer, would you say it seems like offense is up? From previous years, home runs. Uh, effectively, Wild was talking about that earlier this week. That's why I asked. Yeah, uh, I agreed with them. No, I would. If I hadn't known that statistic, I would say that offense is about the same. Okay. Um, I think I would have known that home runs were up a little bit. Really? Especially the depth of the home run like leaderboard. Um, there's just so many guys that have. It's like not one player that has hit a bunch, but it's just the depth of guys that have hit like between 15 and. 30 homers right now. Yeah. Uh, last one is attendance. Um, so last year, attendance was up a little bit from the year before. Uh, it was over 73 million. Uh, so that was up 0.04%. Uh, Paul, you projected a increase of 0.15, and I projected an increase of one full percentage point. Uh, right now, attendance is down slightly. Uh, it's down 0.3%. So not 30%, but 0.3. Or not 3%, but 0.3%. Uh, comes out to be about 100 fans per game, less mm. this year than last year. Uh, team attendance, we guessed the team that would increase the most and decrease the most. Paul, you said the Diamondbacks would increase and the Tigers would decrease. Uh, and then I said the Cubs would increase and the Padres would decrease. Uh, our winners, do you have any guesses for teams uh, so far? Surely not the Diamondbacks increasing. Um, Orioles? Uh, no. They have bad attendance. They're down. They're like fifth worst in baseball. Uh, Indians. For increase? Percentage-wise, yeah. Percentage yeah. increase? Uh, nope. Also one of the worst in baseball. Still? Um, I guess they're about even now. But yeah. The Blue Jays. Hmm. Have had the biggest increase. They're up 38%. And the Reds have had the biggest decrease at 21%. Goes back to my theory that you see the biggest which, bump in attendance the year after. Which you aren't taking into practice. That's, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, so the top five increase are the Blue Jays, Mets, Cubs, Astros, and Rangers. Uh, and the biggest decreases um, are the the Reds are the worst than the Brewers, Padres, Braves, and Athletics. Uh, Paul, the White Sox are down about a thousand fans per game. Hmm. Um, yep. All right. So that is that. That's our mid-season recap. If you've got thoughts, feel free to let us know. You can tweet at us or email us at a foot in the box at gmail dot com. All right. Next up, we have TWTW. When you can put some of those categories, you know, you got your OBPS and all that, and the VORPs. When they put in TWTW and then interface those numbers with TWTW under that category, then you might have something cooking. What, what, what TW is? Yeah, what is that? That's the will to win. So for this week's uh, TWTW segment, I wanted to take a look at the biggest um, weaknesses on playoff caliber teams. Um, and that's you know across the board. So I looked at OPS for offense, uh, starting pitching, ERA, uh, bullpen, and use Sierra for that. Um, defensive runs saved for defense, and then uh, base running runs as well for base running. So kind of the five tools, you might say. And uh, in the American League, I looked at the Blue Jays, Red Sox, Orioles, Rangers, and Indians. And in the National League, I looked at the Dodgers, Mets, Nationals, Cubs, and Giants. And that was more or less for the sake uh, of time. You know, I left out, like, you know, the Cardinals and the Pirates, Um don't mean to say they don't have a chance, but just for the sake of time, just look at current playoff teams. So, Pete, looking at uh, current playoff teams, who would you say, or could you guess without looking at stats, sort of the biggest weaknesses on the, any of those teams? My biggest weakness, I define it as ranking in the bottom of five in your league in a specific hmm. stat. I'd say the Red Sox starting pitching. Yep. Uh, Rangers bullpen is bad. Yep. I'm trying to think National League. Dodgers offense hasn't been good, but they're probably not at the bottom. Yeah, I don't know if with an, are the national is the National League are they in the bottom in any of those? Uh, so in the National League, 
Dodgers offense has been, as you mentioned, 13th in the National League in OPS. Oh, so you meant bottom five in the league. In there, yeah. Oh, okay. In the National League. Female league. overall. So Dodgers offense has been. Uh, the Mets are bad at um, defense and base running. They're 14th in both of those. They have negative 23 defensive runs saved. And uh, that's mostly because of uh, old position players. David Wright was terrible. Ezreal Cabrera was bad at short, and then Granderson has also been pretty bad. Um, and then you have the Nationals, uh, also bad at uh, defense, twelfth, and that's again mostly due to old position players. Um, so, but then the Cubs and Giants are pretty well rounded, and they didn't have; um, they're not in the bottom five in the National League in any of those categories. In the American League, as you mentioned, the Rangers, they're fifteenth in uh, bullpen. Um, Sierra. Um, so awful bullpen. Look for them to make a deal. Then you have the Orioles. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, their starting pitching has been terrible. That's 14th in the American League. Uh, their starting pitcher ERA is 5.14. And then um, uh, their bullpen has also been pretty bad too. 11th in the American League. And then the Red Sox, as you mentioned as well, uh, 11th in the American League in starting pitcher ERA. So uh, Blue Jays, Indians, again, like the Cubs and Giants, pretty well-rounded, don't have any glaring weaknesses. But So just I would keep those in mind moving forward. Uh, I would say the, the biggest holes, the Mets, their defense and base running, awful. And then the Rangers' bullpen has been pretty bad as well. Um, I think you can over, you can overcome one of those, but, you know, like with the Mets and the Orioles, overcoming bad starting pitching and a bad bullpen or bad defense and bad base running is pretty difficult. Sure. So that's that's what I got. Good stuff. All right. Next up, we have songs of the game. Okay. Uh, so songs of the game. Just look at one moment in baseball history, um, or one broadcaster. This week, with the All Star Game approaching, uh, we're going to take a listen to the 1999 All Star Game. It was played at Fenway Park on July 13th. 1999, and um, we're going to listen to the Fox TV broadcast, which had Joe Buck, uh, Tim McCarver, and Bob Brenly. Uh, the first clip we're going to listen to is the intro, and it's pretty epic by uh, by Kevin Costner. So here is that intro. What is it about baseball that inspires us to dream? With the century coming to a close, we again come back to baseball, the great American game. In April of 1912, a ship named Titanic sank, and a ballpark named Fenway first opened its gates. In 1933, the first All-Star game was played, and with striking perfection, the Babe hit the game's first home run. Once again, it is summertime in America, and with its warmth comes the Midsummer Classic, and the park whose unique character makes it so special. And tonight... The legends of the game will come. Hey! Is this heaven? No. It's Iowa. A cornfield that was transformed into a field of dreams allowed America to again believe in baseball's magic. And tonight, for love of the game, the imagination of this country will once again be captured by all the players of the game today and by its story past. It's the American League and the National League playing in the All-Star Game, a game between baseball's best. The beauty of baseball is marked by its players, from the Babe to Mighty Mac, from the Splendid Splinter to Nomar, from Say Hey to Sammy. On no other night do baseball stars shine as brightly. The perfect nine against nine, a piece of wood and some leather. These are the tools of their trade. People will always come back to baseball. They call it our pastime, but more appropriately, it is our present and our future. In this final summer of the 20th century, tonight's All-Star Game will be played beneath Boston's giant green monster. It just wouldn't be right anywhere else. All right, so that was the... uh... That was the intro. Epic indeed. Yes. Uh, I love the um, 
believing in baseball's magic. Yeah, and the movie came out like nine years before that, so it's it made it seem like it was a recent thing. Field of Dreams. Uh, it was also sad to hear McGuire and Sosa yeah. as like the central people. Um, all right, so that was the intro by Kevin Costner. Uh, we're going to fast forward to um, the introduction of Ted Williams. Um, game was played at Fenway Park, and they did kind of a best players living. Uh, they all came to the game and were brought to the field, and so they left uh, Ted Williams for last, and so we're going to play that clip for you now. Ladies and gentlemen, he wore the Red Sox uniform for 22 years. He wore the uniform of the United States Marines for four and a half more. He owned the left field at this very ballpark. He was the last man to hit 400 in a season, and he did it 58 years ago. He hit 521 home runs, including one on his last at-bat. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the greatest hitter that ever lived, number nine, Hall of Famer, baseball legend, Ted Okay, so that was uh, Ted Williams, and then fast forward to the game. Uh, we are just going to play the top of the first inning. Pedro Martinez is the pitcher, and uh, he does very well. Uh, so we're going to play that for you now. What a perfect way to wind down this millennium with an all-star game here at Fenway Park. Built in 1912. First pitch, a blazing fastball that misses up and away from hometown starter Pedro Martinez, a 15-game winner, the only 15-game winner in the major leagues to this point. One ball, no strikes on Barry Larkin. Larkin involved in his 10th All-Star game, and he's going to have to crank it up another notch to catch up with that fastball from Martinez. One ball, one strike. And then when hitters decide to crank it up, Martinez throws the changeup like that. Missing low and away, two balls and a strike. And it's just not an average changeup. It's probably the best changeup of any pitcher in the major leagues today. On two and one, Larkin took it over the outside corner. Two balls, two strikes from mid-80s to mid-90s on that fastball. And you look at the 15-game winner. With that league-leading ERA of 2.10, three complete games for Pedro Martinez. Larkin way late, still 2-2. Two and two. You see the scouting report on Pedro Martinez. Great movement on the fastball. We've seen that already. Works both sides of the plate. We've seen the great changeup with the arm action. He also has a curveball. I mean, this is not fair. A guy with three top-shelf pitches at his disposal. Still two and two, leadoff hitter Barry Larkin. That'll get out of play to keep it two balls, two strikes as Pedro cranks it up to 97 miles per hour. Larry Walker will follow and then Sammy Sosa. As this crowd settles in on what has already been an emotional night here at Fenway Park. Here's Bochy, a quick look at the manager for the National League. Looking at a 35-year-old shortstop, Barry Larkin, that's still one of the game's best. Got him with a changeup and a good start for Pedro Martinez in the American League. Once again, the National League starting lineup sponsored by Budweiser. Here tonight, Barry Larkin, you know that. Larry Walker back second and right. Sammy Sosa hits third and center. Mark McGuire cleans up at first base with Matt Williams at third. The DH, Jeff Bagwell, Mike Piazza catching. Jeremy Burnett's first all-star game for the left fielder. He of the Milwaukee Brewers and Jay Bell will bat ninth at second base. And we take a look at the defense for the American League. Kenny Lofton in left field. Ken Griffey Jr., the center fielder. Manny Ramirez in right. Cal Ripken Jr. at third. Nomar Garciaparra at shortstop, the local favorite. Roberto Alomar at second. Jim Tomey and Yvonne Rodriguez behind the plate. Pretty good ball club. Not too bad. No. 
Larry Walker takes a strike from Pedro Martinez. One out, nobody on the first inning, and that's strike two on Larry Walker. Larry Walker, the MVP in the National League in 1997, last year's batting champion in the National League. 32-year-old outfielder, he stands in hitting 382, best average in the major leagues at this point. One ball, two strikes. Joe Torre, manager of the Yankees, in charge of selecting the reserves. The pitchers to this. Goodbye, Larry Walker. See you later. Pretty good start for Pedro Martinez. This is what he dreamt about last night when he went to bed. First the fastball on the outside corner to Barry Larkin. And now a fastball, a 97-mile-an-hour fastball that slices the outside corner to Larry Walker. You may remember that scouting report. We said he worked the fastball on both sides of the plate. That's not as easy as it may appear for a pitcher whose fastball tends to tail back in toward the center of the plate. The nice telecast also available in Spanish by utilizing the SAP button on your television. How proud they must be right now in the Dominican Republic. Two of their favorite sons hooking up here in the All-Star game. Sammy Sosa leading the major leagues with 32 home runs. He hit 66 a year ago. Taking on Pedro Martinez. Leaning back from strike one. First curveball of the night for Martinez and was it wicked. It's a good old fashioned knee buckle. And a one ball one strike count. 96 mile per hour fastball missing to Sosa. How'd you like to hit 66 home runs and not even lead your league. <laughs> Man behind him in tonight's lineup. Mark McGuire, of course, hits 70. The 2-1. And Pedro Martinez is in position to strike out the side here in the first. sounds of the game but well worth it I think <laughs> when to give you the feel lots of good uh, nuggets in there I, one of my favorite things that uh, commentators do is they put words in the mouth of another person but they do it in like really corny language so it's like boy I, I'm glad he's not pitching for our league anymore like I don't I don't think any player was actually thinking that but. yeah I agree uh, the National League or sorry the American League won that game four to one Pedro actually struck out Five of the first six batters he faced. Cool moment. Um, okay, that was Sounds of the Game. Next up, we have the bottom of the ninth. Uh, first, Paul has Say My Name. So for Say My Name this week, I'm going with a guy that was just called up. Uh, pitcher for the Royals. You know where I'm going with this, Pete? I don't. Brooks Pounders. Is the name uh, 6'5 righty A relief pitcher for the Royals That came up after Wade Davis That went down um, He was born in 1990 So our age um, He's pitched in two games so far Given up one run His dad wanted to call him Brooks Robinson Pounders But mother vetoed and said Just go with Brooks So uh, an apt name I feel like it's a baseball name, but would also be an app name for a football player as well, I feel like. Pounders. Brooks Pounders. Um, yeah, so that's that's our name this week. Good work. Okay, my Yahoo Answer of the Week. Uh, the question comes from Yahoo user XCobX. Uh, his question is, what is the average number of foul balls hit in a Major League Baseball game? Paul, do you, would you have any guess for how many foul balls are hit? In a baseball game? Uh, Spitballing here, 48. Okay. I, I was a little higher. I think I said like 80 or 90. That seems high. Um, yeah, so a few different answers. 
the first answer, the most popular one, uh, the answer uh, reads, The umpires prepare six dozen balls, or 72, for each game. They prepare them by rubbing a special mud from a secret location in Delaware River. This special mud takes off the shine of the new ball, but does not make the ball appear dirty. I'm not kidding about the secret location. There is only one supplier of this special mud for all Major League Baseballs. I never knew that. Uh, I'm not sure if we can trust that source either. Sounds right. (laughs) Second answer. I think it is about 40 because I remember seeing it in an article in Sports Illustrated. And our third answer. Well, considering a ball lasts about five pitches on average in a game, most games uh, there's upwards of 100 pitches, so 20 per team at minimum. So, yeah, like 40 balls. But that's kind of including home runs, I guess. Um, so we don't really have a detailed answer. Uh, so if someone can find that, let us know. Uh, but yeah, I would say somewhere between like 40 and 90 is probably a good, (laughs) good estimate. Ballpark. Yep. Okay. Pick your team. Um, last week, Paul picked the Tigers. They -hmm. went three and four. I picked the Nationals who went four and three. So headed into the all-star break, I have an eight game lead. 57 and 31 is my record so far, and Paul is 52 and 39. A lot of, a lot of room to make up, Paul. Uh, who is your team for this shortened All-Star uh, break? I'm going with the the Braves. Okay. Now, so we have a kind of an issue. Do we? Are we still planning on picking all 30 teams, or are we just going to do 26? Because there's only 26 weeks in the season. Yeah, I thought we were just doubling up late in the year. Okay. Um, so you're going with the Braves, thinking short week, pick the worst team. And they're hot. <laughs> of course. My team is the Phillies. Uh, again, bad team, short week. Um, they're playing a little bit better recently. So kind of using Paul's logic. Okay. Um, again, the loser of that has to record the batter up intro himself in the off season. Um, all right. So that does it for the podcast. Make sure to check out the home run derby live stream. Uh, we're excited for that. Um, and again, if you listen to this after Monday, you can go back and watch that. Just find the link on our Twitter page. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at a foot in the box. We would love to interact with you over there. You can also email us at a foot in the box at gmail.com and check us out online at a foot in the box.com. This next week is a normal podcast week. And then the week after that, we're off for vacation. So enjoy the podcast while you have it. Um, cause in two weeks we'll be gone on vacation. You got anything else, Paul? Just a reminder to keep a foot in the box. We'll talk to you Monday night for the Home Run Derby and then next week for the podcast.